0: In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast exclusively on the wrestling nerds radio network greetings everybody welcome once again to the Indycast. cast chad allen zack romero here it is officially going to be the last episode of 2020 and thank the fucking gods old and new for that uh that this this calendar year is almost over uh zach we've we've had an interesting one for uh for this year, on, on both sides of the
1: coin, here we, we beat the odds both literally and figuratively. Yeah. And have survived 2020. And uh, I can think of no better way of celebrating
0: uh, getting out of getting ready to get out of this year um, than to say the following three words for our guest today because this is all you need to do for his intro anymore. And I love it, ladies and gentlemen. This is
2: Effie. Oh my God! I'm here. We made it through this year. I'm gonna be honest, and this might piss off people off the bat.
0: 2020 <laughs>
2: hasn't been that bad for Effie.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> no, you you are not wrong. You have you know of all the people in the world, I I can tell you, I am not shocked in the least if that there is any person out there who's like, oh, pandemic and other shit going on. Fuck it, I'm running with it. It was was you, Effie. There is there is nobody I believe in more and stuff like that than you. So
2: I have a cockroach tattooed on my upper thigh and I meant it with my heart. I am. Listen, I'm a cockroach in all of the senses where I just you can't kill me and I won't leave and I do pretty well when it looks rough out there. So yeah, it's it's been okay in twenty twenty. We've been trying to uh, stay as safe as possible, obviously, and wear masks, but also like venture into new weird shit and try stuff mm-hmm. out and see what works and what doesn't. And it's been fun. Well, you know, so, before no, yeah. go ahead,
1: Zach. Well, I was, was going to say I wanted to de- derail the uh, the the show already. Oh, because, derailment question already? I love yes, because Effie posted something recently uh, on Twitter as a response. Uh, at that as someone who helps with a merchandise brand, I wanted to uh, talk about and really thank Effie for. And that was uh, Effie basically putting it out there that Effie's offered all kinds of amazing things in terms of merch. And in terms of shirts, unbelievable color combinations and any kind of variation you can think of. And black t-shirts outsell them all every time. It's and I wanted to really talk about that. Because that's something that working with some wrestlers, we get like pushback on in terms of suggesting like, oh, that design would look nice on a black T-shirt. And they're like, ugh, I'm so sick of black T-shirts. Yeah. Okay, well, that's fine.
2: Listen, I wish it wasn't true. I wish it wasn't the case. But it's the case. It's the facts. You're going to sell more of a black T-shirt. I see them all. I've done them all. I even said in that tweet, I was like, I've done yellow and red and blue and white and black. And I've done all colors in between. Black t-shirts—they sell so many more than anything else. It's slimming. Yeah, basically. That's—I mean—that's what it comes down to—is
1: yeah, it's—it's it's a slimming color. It's beautiful. Um, but I, I just appreciate that because it's—it's it's an uphill battle sometimes.
2: We need honesty with these kids, and we got to strip back some of the bullshit sometimes so they can see what's really going on. So, they, so it, in addition to
1: that, what other piece of like merchandise advice would you give young wrestlers?
2: Well, my, my number one thing is, like, don't think you have to go with the biggest piece of merchandise ever. You know, a shirt where you're printing six, seven, eight, nine, ten colors is going to cost a lot of money. You can mm-hmm. make a, a compelling design with two or three colors, and one of those colors is the color of the shirt. So pick one or two colors that you're getting actually designed onto the shirt. Build the color of that shirt into your design, and you've got a much cheaper option for getting these shirts made to where you can sell it at the same price I do and actually make some money on it versus some of these guys who are paying $13, $14 to have a shirt made, they're not able to ever really make anything back on it. You got to start out with some designs that are easy and even like, don't jump right to t-shirts, you know? Right. I say, try out pens, try out keychains, try out stickers, try out necklaces. People want to support you. You can give them easy ways to do that without having to pull a whole 20 or $40 out, you know? hmm
1: no, hundred percent. And I think even in addition to like, Hey, it's okay to start smaller. I think having something kind of off the beaten path is only going to benefit you. I was pushing, yeah. I was pushing for, um, uh, when I was, when obviously everything was normal, I was pushing a lot of younger wrestlers towards like be inventive with like eight by tens. Like, don't just have it be like, Oh, Hey, there's a picture of me that, Speedy probably took because he's a good photographer. He's a great photographer. Like, yeah. Like, a perfect example. Put some there character was, in it. Yeah. There was a wrestler that I was talking to who was a vegan. That was going to be his gimmick. And I said, okay, go to like a petting zoo, like have something close to your gear on, take some photos of you holding like cute animals. Yeah. And then on the back of the 8x10, have them like print off a recipe for vegan muffins or something like that. Oh like, that's going to stand out dramatically to somebody who's looking to buy some merch for you going just like, would be great. Uh, yeah, except versus like, oh, I'm flexing in this picture. You know, it's 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 at least going to catch someone's eye.
2: Yeah, I think we have to remember that too. Is like you know all these wrestlers want to come in with these outrageous gimmicks, and then you watch them sometimes in the matches, and you're going, okay, well, I can see you've went to wrestling school, and I can see you learned a few moves, and nothing you're doing outside of your entrance and your little moment is anything to do with this gimmick. I don't feel the energy from you, and that's tough for guys to figure out, but. There's little ways you can do it. And sometimes when you have more of yourself, like in your merchandising and in your outfits and in what you are, it's easier to slip into that role than if you're just, you know, acting like a regular wrestling person, which Mm -hmm. is fine. You know, that's that's good.
1: You're exactly right, though. I can't tell you how many times that, you know, Chad and I both like will be in the bathroom. And we miss someone's entrance. And when we get to watch them, we're like, so wait, what is their character? I missed it. Yeah, what like, are they doing exactly? They do <laughs>
2: forearms and they try their best. I had to say that to the – we did a seminar Sunday. One of the things I said was trying your best, working hard, and having a dream are not gimmicks.
1: <laughs> Very true. Very true. I
2: that That itself could be a T-shirt. It really uh, should, and yeah. like I don't mean it in a terrible mean way, but like you got to know that it's the same thing as people posting workout videos. For me, like it's the bare minimum for me to work out so that I can efficiently be a wrestler. I don't need to tell everybody about it. It's part That's of my true. schedule. That's it's true. The bare minimum. The bare minimum is to have a dream and work hard. I don't need to hear about it in every promo. <laughs> true. Very true. <laughs> oh, you are working hard? Big surprise. I'd be surprised if you said. This is the easiest thing I've ever done. I don't ever lift a finger. I win with no problem. Tell That's me about true. that.
1: That's true. <laughs> I was going to say, so I, let's Let's go into that a little more. What are In addition to I have a dream and I'm working very hard and look out for these forearms, um, what would you say are some other like don'ts in terms of
2: promos? You know, I, I tell everyone that, one of the things that helped me out the most was I would start to do my promos, you know, from the top of my head, but then I would go through and I would try to remove anything that sounded cliche or sounded wrestling, which is your, you know, the fact of the matter is or You know, you may have gotten me this time, but there's always another match or, you know, you you made the championship match personal when it could have just been about that championship. When you have these really like cliche things that everyone's heard before, remember that what a promo is, is it's a way to convince people to watch or come to your wrestling show. That's all it is. That's the simplest version. So when you have all these cliches, are you actually doing it because you heard it in wrestling and you think you should repeat it? Or are you doing it because that's the best thing to say to these people to convince them to come see you? And most of the time you find out you're repeating cliches because you go, oh, well, my promo needs to be a minute. I only have 15 seconds of real information. I better just keep talking, when in reality, that's never the right way to go about it.
1: I'm stretching for time.
2: Don't stretch. Save that for the match, you know?
1: (laughs) Double down. Well, I was just going to say, and I think to further that point, you know, there was a time not too long ago where you were doing a streak of promos where you weren't in the promos. You had like a weird cast of actors who were all doing I, the promo, the I, actual delivery you had written them and were still getting the point across. You were still getting people interested and you yourself wasn't weren't even in the promo. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I believe Effie got the... Didn't you get the... Weren't they mostly from Fiverr?
0: I thought that's were. what I... They were, I, I
2: did
1: not wanna bl- I did not wanna blow
0: up every spot. Well, no, no, I, think that's no, fu- I think that's the I funniest listen. part.
2: I told the kids about it. I would let the kids know. I don't want to hide anything anymore. Everybody needs to get on my level, and it only helps me when they can get there. So, true. listen, and, and the reason I started doing it was out of an absolute frustration, if we're being honest, because I was working my ass off. I was working a full-time job. I'm doing all these shows. It felt like in a lot of cases, and this isn't always true, it felt like in a lot of cases I was cutting promos. that were getting other people over. They were getting other shows over. They were getting everything over, and nobody else was really putting in the effort. It felt like I was putting in more effort effort than everyone and that frustration made me go i'm just gonna give this guy ten dollars on fiverr and he's gonna cut my promo and i'm not gonna have to bring in my camera and lighting people and my background people and my locations i can just pay this guy ten dollars and he'll do it and it's still more effort than anyone on the show and that's you know not all shows but you still get that feeling no, no, no. Sometimes.
1: but i think you're absolutely right there are definitely cases like that where Wrestler A is like really has a clear direction and is like really trying to be something interesting and cut this promo. And then Wrestler B's like they're they're filming with their phone the wrong direction and they're just like, "Hey, next Sunday I'm beating you." And you're like, "Okay, well, somebody clearly gave a shit and somebody didn't." Yeah, a
2: hundred percent. And I mean, I, I you know, as honest as this is, I said sometimes there's not going to be people that are in the crowd that saw your promo. Sometimes True. the people that saw your promo are in another world. But I still think if you give that effort, it's going to shine through when you have the match too. And you care a little bit when you're willing to put it in. You're going to end up looking better anyway because you, you give a damn. And people can see that. People want to see commitment. They don't want to see somebody out there who's like, oh, I'm doing this dumb thing right now. Or like, look, I'm in this you know little wrestling thing right now. They want to see people committed. If they paid and sat down and are ready to be entertained, they don't want half-ass entertainers. They want somebody fully in. So the people who put in the effort are always going to fall into that line. But we can't force Force them to keep up. We can't force them to love it as much as we do, right? That's a good point. And it's amazing. It, it, it does amaze me, uh, like.
0: How could you know? I've been watching because I was watching a, 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 on the independent wrestling TV, and before the mat before we got here, I was watching a bunch of your matches um, on yeah. IWTV and it's a and putting over IWTV, do do something with the IndyCast IWTV while you're <laughs> on the roll. Uh, but, um, but no, it, 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 and like you talk about how much you put into it, how much, and it really amazes me watching some of these shows even in the same show the people that you can see are putting putting a, a thousand percent into it and how much the the fans really recognize and notice that um, because because you had actually come up on an episode a couple a uh, few weeks ago that we did where we even got talking about how people react to even just the theme music uh, of somebody coming mm-hmm. out that actually puts puts in for it and like the fact that you have an audience now that will, will sing along to Elton John's goodbye yellow brick road thank God because of because of how you know, but it's because of how much you put into it that, like now, they're really bought into it. It's absolutely gobsmacking to me, and it's just one of those songs that I never thought would become like a sing-along theme song. But God, God bless the fact that it is, because I think that's absolutely wonderful. But,
2: it it works too because at least it keeps the room kind of slow before I go out and do anything, so I don't true. have to start all fired up like everybody. These kids coming out to these crazy pop punk metal fast paced hip hop songs it's like your heart rate is already at 151 when you hear the bell ring and what's going to happen you're going to you're going to run and, and and look like a deer in the woods when in reality i'm like a i'm like a deep tiger in in the in the bush waiting because i'm not all worked up i've got a cool jam i've got a nice crowd and we're going to ease into this thing and that's fun for me
0: but the funny part is, then when you do jump into it like full force, that's even more of the surprise about it because one of the matches I did get to watch was uh, uh, GCW. What was it? Uh, two, two cups, two cups full. Oh I think God! I, uh, with with you and Nick Gage, and like. I was not like, cause Gage comes out to, you know, obviously for whom the bell tolls by Metallica, the place is going absolutely freaking crazy when he comes out. And I, you know, I had no expectations cause I hadn't, you know, seen too much of the match before, but you came just barreling out of the ring to hit him with that, that drop kick at the beginning where, where you hit the light tubes and it was like, Oh, Oh, he's going to do that this time. Is he okay? So it was yeah. like,
2: and I think the second thing I did in that match was put that man through a pane of glass. So, yes, it, it 100% was. So, it's crazy to me that I get to, you guys understand better than anybody, because I get to do so much weird stuff in the wrestling business, whether it be beating up children or beating up Nick Gage. Like, <laughs> I have such a strange pedigree. And that match was just crazy to me for really one reason, which is I forgot my knee pads. I brought everything for StarCast except my knee pads. I was like, oh, I'm glad I'm doing a full glass deathmatch tonight with no knee pads on. My knees are still kind of ruined from that. But, like, that's part of the gig. It's part of what you get. But I knew in that room, too, like, yeah, there's a lot of people that know me. But there's also a lot of people who do not know me. And so if I just start by kicking a bunch of glass into their hero's face, they're at least going to have some thought about what I'm doing.
1: But (laughs) to your point, by starting so fiery there... And not having that be the norm for you, that stands out so much more than if like you were, you know, the the bright pink ultimate warrior every show, and like you came right. flying out like a bat out of hell. Then that moment would have been like, ooh, what a what a start! But it wouldn't stand out to like, whoa, Effie's usually like holding a, holding back and staying slow and steady to start with. This much, this must be that higher level. This is serious shit
2: yeah, and I think that whole match is that way. And like it just keeps coming. That's that kind of match where like I didn't go back and watch it for a while because I was in it, and it was horrifying to be a part of. But, um, <laughs> I gotta tell you this, this is this is crazy. I walk, I walk to the back after the match, I'm covered in blood and it's the end of the show and I need to go out and sell merch, but I'm like, you know, soaked in blood and Janela goes, Hey man, good stuff. And I go, thanks. And he goes, you really should have added another pinfall at the end. It would have been perfect. And I was like, that's not what I need to hear right now. Joey. <laughs> uh, another pinfall would have made it perfect, bro. I need you to get me a towel or something <laughs> along those lines.
0: Do you, do you find it interesting how much you've been almost you've been uh, like accepted by the deathmatch community by the way I that is is fun to me as well because like you had that great match you you were a part of Matt Tremont's retirement show oh, uh, which I got to watch that match
2: um like it, that like, match was insane by the way Yeah it was so but like uh, I, I think uh, it's, the thing with the deathmatch community that everybody has to remember is yes they're crazy yes they're wild but like There's a code of honor there, and I always came in with a full mind of respect, and I always, when I was put in these positions for Deathmatch, you know, whether it was with, like, a Nick Gage or a Schlack or an AJ Gray or whatever was going on, wherever you're dealing with this kind of crazy blood and nonsense, um, you have to, like, admit to them you're in their world. You have to be like, I'm here in your world. Let me you know come at this respectfully there is an art to the way this is done there's a magic to it if you don't believe it like go watch one of those vice documentaries about the deathmatch it'll make you cry it's so beautiful um and because i think i came in with that respect and because i hold it in such high regard they you know they don't look at me as someone who's just trying to market or profit off of it because there's a lot of different things i do you're not going to see deathmatch Effie very often and Mm -hmm. i think because of that they've kind of like enjoyed my world coming into theirs and there's nothing funnier than juxtaposition and what bigger juxtaposition than to throw your deathmatch guys with me and see what comes out of it, you know? Right. It's an opponent business.
1: True. So I have a question. What level of Effie confidence are we dealing with at this point? Is it like, hey, I'm going to just commit to something no matter what it is, and I'm just going to have confidence in myself that uh, I'm just going to give it 110%, you know, whether it goes over or it doesn't. Or are we at the confidence level of like, I am literally untouchable, I sold my soul, and literally nothing I can do can fail, because no we're talking way. about Listen, no Fiverr way. promos, we're talking about Twitch, we're talking about Deathmatch, we're talking about beating up a child. Like, we're literally, I feel like there's an element of, like, I'm going to try blank, and I'm going to see if people cancel me. Like, I feel like there's like kind of an element of that. Of
2: I mean, just... a little bit, probably. And, <laughs> but the thing is, like... You also have to realize that, like, I try to keep myself as grounded as possible, as opposite as that sounds. Um, I will say this to start this out so you can hear my most egotistical, which is I told my dad about the Effie Awards, which I'm sure you know, but just to explain, I had bronze models of my head made, uh, physically real, painted bronze, sculpted models of my head that were sold as award show trophies to anyone who wanted to buy them. And I told him that and he said... He said, that's the false idols uh, that they warn you about. That's the false idols. And I was like, oh, man, I've become the false idol. But in the same sense, like, I still call my old roommate about once a week because he can be mean to me. And sometimes it's good for me to have someone just to be mean to me, and it helps me do better. But what I have found out and what I think is, like, it's a level of cocky sort of, but it's, like, not a level of cocky, which is – I know what's good. I know what entertains me. And I know what has worked in the past for me. I'm experimenting with new things to find out what doesn't work. But I feel comfortable not being included in things or pretending to be something I'm not to be included in things. And I know that, like, my blessings will keep coming just fine. And that's a confidence level when you're not worried about being accepted and know that you will find your audience, whether you're a part of their cool crew or not. It's it's pretty magic to have that little bit of confidence to say, hey, if you're into it or not, eventually you will be. So just it right. might be now or later. That's
1: incredible. That's really incredible. Like I said, just the – I guess just the experimentation is what really uh, I think impresses me most. Is just I always want to try that, new stuff. Yeah, because like since day one, it's been like, okay, now I'm trying this. Most people aren't doing this. I'm going to give this a shot or you know, whatever the case may be. You've always – Been open to that. I mean, to be fair, you were, you know, spitting truth and and spilling tea about evolve before I became cool, and evolve closed down. Like you have always been on the very edge, and I just feel like at a certain point you got to be like, yeah, that's just what I do now. That's just where I live, and. Yeah, and I think people
2: want. are understanding of it. I'm always surprised when people, like, pretend to act offended by something I do because they, like, they go, like, oh, you're not allowed to do that. And not anything illegal or bad or, like, morally reprehensible, but, like, there's certain rules in the world of wrestling you're supposed to abide by. Like, last night when I appeared on the NWA's YouTube television show, I probably shouldn't have been tweeting about how if you want to watch Nipple Twist, you watch Effie. If you want Chinlocks, go watch Magnus. Like I probably shouldn't be making fun of their champion while I'm on their show, but I don't give a damn. And you know they pay me per appearance, so I'm not contracted anywhere. Right. Plus he's boring. I don't know. Just to tell you, that guy sucks. Whatever. It's not for me. That's what I was taught to say. Just say it's not for you. Well, and and
1: like you said, you've always been open to just going down the. I mean without getting into too much detail, you literally were in a match at punk pro where half the match was just makeout sessions with another man. And that crowd in that little podunk town in Florida didn't
2: know what hit them. Um, and that's okay. You know, I watched that Stevie fierce match back the other day. And I oh. think that's one of the most creative thing that's ever happened. Uh, because literally you guys were like, Hey, Eddie Kingston is not here yet. Can you kill some time? And I yes. was like, Oh boy, can we! And we had a whole photo shoot to kick the match off, just which, in case the match didn't go well. We admitted to our audience the possibility of the match not being good was likely, so we said we're going to make sure we get the shots in. We love you, but we we can't guarantee I'm which, not going to throw up.
1: Which we can't. Which is, if you can, that video that match is available on YouTube. If you oh, watch yeah. it, it's so interesting to watch the audience reaction to that because. It's it reminds me of like the when SNL was in like the height of its popularity, like the second time around in the 90s. um, And there would be some bits that would be so weird, but (laughs) that the crowd didn't know how to react at first. But by the end of it, they were like, just make that every show.
2: It's the commitment. You just got to. listen. You got to commit to whatever weird bit you're going to bring in.
1: Like, when you, when you first you when you first took the mic and said that I think you say, you say something like that you were you were like hungover that you'd only had like I, a handful of jelly beans yeah and, I, ate,
2: like, I ate two bags of skittles in the car on the way here yes. which was a shoot yes. <laughs> and the crowd's sitting there like
1: uh, does that mean the match isn't happening like there's such an air of confusion and then by the end of it they're like that was the greatest thing that we've ever seen in a ring.
2: And they still gave me the chance to compliment them for actually coming to live wrestling. I was like, listen, the guys on the stream, they're just going to retweet the gifts anyway, which is true. Yes, you called your shot and you were absolutely
1: right. But yes, that was such a weird, wonderful moment. And to see the crowd in real time come to it so confused to start with and by the end be so 100% on board shows the power of really, like you said, committing 110%. And not like at no point did you or Stevie go, I, we can't, we can't
2: do this. This is, is this too stupid right now? Yeah. You can't do it. And luckily I think it's, it is a lucky thing that I'm so motivated by like natural curiosity, but sometimes just seeing if something will work, like you said, just experimenting. If it doesn't, we forget it, but you remember the stuff that does work and it wouldn't be there if we didn't just try. Yeah, exactly.
1: There's, there's always going to be another match or another, you know, moment or whatever, but to have such a standout, uh, so good. Such a great memory.
2: <laughs> I've enjoyed all of it. I think we'll be back to it eventually. But, you know, this, this day in Corona just right. eats it up. Can I tell you guys what I did yesterday? Yeah, Please, of course. I spent all day hanging out at Luke Gallo's house. Really? <laughs> yeah, dude. Me and Ziggy Dice, we're going and hanging out with him. We filmed like five sketches with Luke Gallo's yesterday. I guess like a lot of his buddies have been pretty busy with other stuff and he's like, I need people to film with. And we were like, Oh, do you? And so Did uh tell? yeah. We we filmed some weird stuff yesterday with Luke Gallows, but I think we're joining the bullet club now, so I don't know. There you go. <laughs> they <laughs> may fun. need and... us more than we need them in the bullet club, but we may we may be willing to help out.
0: Was it was it any was it any weirder than you in like a, a like a pink bodysuit with uh with nose plugs in in your nose? Or, I think or, that or...
2: went so above everybody's <laughs> Like I think people are uncomfortable to even admit they had seen it. The Nas thrill, baby. I used to go to college to try to uh, have sleepy times with people. I would stick doodles up my nose at house parties and just act like it was cool. And so I turned it into a sketch. Zach, <laughs> did you have you seen this yet? No, I have zero clue you, what you're
1: talking about. You you oh. will have to
0: I don't even know how to explain it. You'll just have to go watch it. You'll have to go watch it later. Yeah,
1: you
2: um, can find it. It's the Nas Thrill. It's on both me and Ziggy Dice's page. It is it's intense.
0: By the way, can I say the other thing that I, that I love that you that you do Effie with is that you you find the weirdest pairings of people that that somehow when you look back at with you and fill in blank here always seem to work and i don't get you and ziggy dice it's you and uh dan Housen,
2: you and alley cat you, yeah of course listen um, and dan house is in freaking hot topping now dude i know <laughs> That's right? so amazing. what so, no i like having pairings and combinations i like having little storylines everywhere this is this is how you keep booked in these days you keep everybody in your storyline you're like don't we need to finish that storyline up young man and then you're booked again it works <laughs> So one thing I did want
1: not to, I, I feel I feel like we're doing like a weird like walk down memory lane. Oh, no, I like it. But... It's
2: fine. It's good. It's stroking up my ego. Like, that. right? Yeah. <laughs> the the, the ep- we end the year by just putting
1: Effie over fucking huge. Um, no, so I did want to. We did earlier this season. We did go back and revisit uh, you and Izzy and uh, Leva, um, and just kind of shared our thoughts. I shared the backstage element of. I was there when the, like, judgment call was made of, like, okay, this, 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 and Effie, you're gonna win. And then, I still stand that that match is absolutely my worst performance as a commentator of all time.
2: I don't think so, because you were just, like, you were, shoot, just believing what was going on, and I I changed the finish on you.
1: (laughs) I lost my shit literally from opening bell. Okay. Like, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs during that entire match.
2: I got grilled by Bully Ray about it live <laughs> on his radio show, man. <laughs> and I knew he was going to do it. And I knew there was only one way to beat Bully Ray. And I was like, you know what, Bully? I wouldn't have chokeslammed that girl. But let me say it here on the IndyCast. I will choke slam that girl any day of the week. And any other child that comes over to me, I will choke slam you. That's the facts. I had to lie to Bully Ray to get over, but it worked. Now, here's my
0: here's my two favorite things. First off, and you may not re- you probably do remember this, but we we did a pre-show beforehand we did a a megapod beforehand and you were on the show you called that spot before you even like you walked in like i'm gonna choke slam that little bitch and and did i say that that's you (laughs) you sure as hell did and i remember because i I, as soon as you did it me and and uh jesse long and and rick from you know from uh, team hammer because obviously zach couldn't be right with us he was over on the announce table all like looked at each other and went Holy shit, he did it! But um, on top of that, my favorite thing is is when you when you lose the match. And spoiler, if
1: you haven't seen it already, and I don't know how you missed well, it. Well, I don't by know. Now, but... Seventy thousand people have fucking watched that video on right. the Punk Pro God. YouTube channel.
0: But but after you lost the match, I remember I looked directly at Zach because we were all in shock, and Zach looks at me and just goes. I had he mouthed the words. I had no idea. And I didn't realize that he legitimately had no idea until we talked about it on the episode. Uh, Like, what was it a few months ago? It was was not that long ago because it was like the second two year anniversary or something. of it. It's the only
2: time I wasn't yelled at for changing a finish. I changed a finish recently and I can't tell anybody what it was. I got yelled at pretty bad.
1: Well, and that's sort of the look that I get because you know now it's kind of uh, I don't know not falling in my lap per se, but now it's it's becoming a lot more public knowledge that like I'm I'm co owner of Punk Pro, so I get that kind of look sometimes. People are kind of like, oh, he changed the finish on you. I'm like, what was I gonna say? Like, even right. if I was mad, I was like, hey man, not cool that you let the little girl
2: win. You like, needed I, to beat that I, little really girl. The, the toothpaste was already out of the tube. We're, we had to, we had to just live with it now. Yep, it's out there. Listen, I don't advise it to any other wrestlers. Do your no. job. Be a utility player. If they tell you six minutes with a fuck finish, it's six minutes with a fuck finish. <laughs> but to go to tie this back in,
1: one hundred percent full commitment from you. Like oh. even when yeah. even when there was pushback, and then there wasn't pushback, and you know, the whole nine yards, you still stayed committed. You were still, you were one hundred percent like, yeah, it happened. It did it. She beat me, and now we're on to the next thing. Like. There was never, there was no backing down. It was just like, nope, that's what it was. And now we're moving on. Now this is the next step in my career.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, what a great kicking off point. But everybody's like, is that why GCW started booking you because you beat up the kid? I was like, no, they started booking me because I did Fiverr promos I found out later. <laughs> what, a <joke. laughs> what a joke. What a joke. Uh, well, like, oh, that's, know, that's weird. creativity. Do that weird shit.
0: Now you want, you want to know what the, the one thing that I do love that, uh, that Effie speaking, speaking of commitment, you know what I'm really impressed. He's committed to that stash.
2: Um, um, listen, I, that's a, we can discuss the stash. Some motherfuckers so, tried to come and, and be a part of our industry with this motherfucking mustache. And it's very clear that I will hold this mustache on my face to make sure they never come back. They are not welcome. These mustachioed bastards. Fair enough. He wears the mustache for all of us. I'm a, I'm like a sheriff, man. I'm the COVID cowboy, and I'm here to lift <laughs> everybody into shape. I'm listen. I I really in my head for the longest time was like I'm worried about Effie, and that's it. And Effie in, Effie out. And I've realized in the in the past two years that we got to worry about everybody. And if it's fucked on one level, it's fucked on all levels. So let's clear this shit out. And if it takes me being a loud piece of shit to do it, well, damn it, let's go. Whatever.
1: So let let me ask this since obviously um with the huge GCW event and you got to do the the not quite brunch big gay event yeah. uh going into 2021 you know obviously the vaccine is starting to roll out for covid and things like that how would you picture like what would be you know with covid still being a thing what would be the ideal setup in your opinion of like You were going to run a show like let's just say money's no object you got it going on how would you run an ideal show with covid still being a risk.
2: One thing that's really excited me, especially about the Twitch platform, is how easy it is for people to interact with footage now. And I Mm. think that's going to be the next step that wrestling takes, hopefully, is something a little more interactive for people where they don't have to be there to interact as much. And it's fun watching, like, the old matches on our stream because everybody's going along. But, man, it'd be crazy if I was in a wrestling match and I could see a chat lighting up and see how people were reacting – Um, and I think that's something that it's going to take a little work from a lot of people, but I think it could be an exciting way to go about it, especially if we are going to need to remain safe and remain at home. Like why Mm -hmm. not find a new way to get to everybody where they can still be a part of the show? Because half the fun of wrestling is that you're right there yelling along and getting involved with everything, you know,
1: that's a great point. Yeah. Because that, that would be, that interaction is really what drives a lot of crowds is, you know, yeah just everyone living and experiencing these moments at the same time.
2: And in those few like moments where I've gotten to do shows, which has been a lot this year comparative, you know, to what I thought it would be. um, I've gotten to hang out with people who've been with me like live on the stream and have hung out with me for multiple hours. And so I know it brings people a little closer than just being stuck at home alone. And it's like, Hey, you can meet new people on here. We can still have wrestling go on. We can get, you know, used to it. And the fact is, and I, this sounds so sad, but I'm just going to say it. There are wrestlers that disappeared that we'll never see again. Mm-hmm. They hit COVID. They weren't trying to adapt. And they don't want to admit that the business has changed and we'll never see them again. Or we'll see them lightly. Or they'll try to just do the same thing they always did and they'll disappear. But the guys and girls who adapt, the guys and girls who are ready for new opportunities. I mean, I look at IWTV just did the mass Wrestler, which was filmed in two days in a warehouse with no one knowing about it and then aired over eight weeks and got to showcase all these wrestlers and unmask them and give them a whole new life because people are seeing them inside these masks and if you're the kind of wrestler who's willing to do those things and willing to take these outside of the box bookings you're going to thrive in this kind of environment pandemic or not and I look at like Camp Leapfrog, even that they're doing, where they're filming outdoors at this farm. Everyone's tested, but it's under this whole new kayfabe of like uh, uh, a camp that Vince McMahon has overrun and taken over. And it's still wrestling and it still has all the things wrestling has. The people who are ready to adapt and be a part of something new and not say, well, that's not wrestling and that's not this. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. and At the end of the day, we got to be ready for what the next step in that is.
1: No, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree.
2: And I'd rather be ahead of it than trying to catch up. My God. Yes. I can't no, run I, that fast. My acceleration is low, but <laughs> I can keep a good constant speed. <laughs> and I think you've
0: been, you've proven to definitely kind of be ahead of the curve on Jesus, just about everything. Like we said, you talked about with merchandise it's like, hell, I didn't even know recently. I knew you had like a,
2: like a cologne. You've got a, like, you've got freaking beard oil now on top of I it. I do. Like, it you, smells really good. I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, the point of the seminar, I think a lot of people think I'm like really anti-corporate wrestling, which I'm not, but I realize it for what it is. And I want to give kids a better opportunity and a better pathway to where like when that corporate money starts knocking, and if you have good wrestling skills, it will. um, It's a harder decision for you to just take the first thing they throw at you. I want it to, to be a little difficult because you're making enough money on your own because you have different things going on for you. And realistically, you know, here's me trying to be ahead of the curve again, I don't think cable TV has more than two years left. And I think when we're even looking at now at what shows are doing the best, we look at how they do on the internet because the cable subscriptions are just falling and falling and falling. I hope we see wrestling get past needing cable at all. I don't hope for any companies to do poorly, but I hope they have to adapt a little bit too, because it's not the big goal anymore that it was. It's not the payday that it used to be. It's it's not a bad payday, but it's a whole different world. And I think if, if they're going to put less out for the for the actual talent, then we have to find more ways to give that talent money over here so that they can see that they're worth more than eleven percent of a gross profit, you know?
1: Well, and and to jump off that, you mentioned uh, you know, cable and channels that will need to evolve. What a segue into the real reason we brought Effie onto this right. episode. That uh, Food Network picked up the show Good Eats with Alton Brown, July of 1999. So my question to start with here, Effie, is what was your first exposure to Alton Brown?
2: Okay, I have to back this up a little bit because I've been really disappointed lately. Didn't he go real crazy on Twitter? Was he drunk?
1: Uh, yeah, he, he did He did go bonkers during the whole uh, like election and all that. And, yeah, well, and, I wish him yeah. well. I think on November, like it was like November 2nd-ish, he went
0: absolutely crazy. November 3rd, he he legitimately posted something, and I had to look this up. He posted, I think I blacked out last night. Did I miss anything?
2: Yeah, he got a little wild, but it looks like he deleted a lot of it and made an apology. So I'll I'll clear the air there. Listen, Alton Brown was the first guy who told me that there was like, there was some magic to this cooking. And I thought, oh my God, this guy's a nerd and he's cooking food all the time but he's cool on this in this world in his own little kayfabe. and i loved it because i was a nerdy little middle schooler who was pudgy and liked to eat everything around him excellent
0: do you, okay do you have like a favorite uh, a favorite good eats epi- good eats episode
2: uh um i believe the best one was when i think there's an episode where he makes souffle on good eats yes. and i tried to make it with my mom and it was pretty good but it did definitely like collapse after a while um so i think i tried my best with the souffle but it was not something that i tried again i went back to egg custards i'm a big egg custard fan i think he also did an egg custard recipe he's done everything
1: well i was gonna say i was legitimately looking through alton brown's like history and yeah just the amount of projects that he has like been a part of or spun off and then like he kind of became evil for a little while like Oh, that
2: cutthroat kitchen was super evil
1: Yeah, he was like, he went heel He went heel and joined the NWO of food Like, he was the third man And then, like, he came back around And I The last time I remember being, like, really actually put off By Alton Brown is, he was doing Some, maybe it was like a book tour Or something like that And he had come through Florida and he was like Oh, we're testing Cuban sandwiches And he had gotten Cubans From, like, these small, you know restaurants or whatever um like as authentic as you could get and like he shit on both of them like he was like nah these are not great and i was like what hey fuck you man like that <laughs> hey come on now
2: does the white guy really get to pick the best cuban sandwich out yeah, their from cuban thought.
1: restaurants
2: so not enough mayonnaise in this like fuck you i yeah. yeah i like him doing the heel turn thing better i also think that Honestly, I think the Barefoot Contessa should have gone full heel. And she never realized she was a heel, but she truly was. And, you know, it made me hate her at first, but then I came around to her because I was like, oh, she doesn't even know she's a heel. But Alton was kind of doing that, like, meta heel thing, you know, which is different.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it was one of those cases, too, where, you know, especially with, like, um, Iron Chef and, and, and the US the U.S. version of Iron Chef, he was, like, the very knowledgeable guy. He was sort of the like the more I guess he um, was doing play, he was doing play by play. Yeah he, he was, was the Mike Tanay of of uh you know Iron Chef. And so I think eventually it kind of like went full Dr. Manhattan and he was just like, I know everything there's to know about cooking. <laughs> I have and seen her inferior yeah.
0: <laughs> and actually the my favorite part about Cutthroat Kitchen by the way was there there was a big thing for a while that there was a question if Alton Brown was seriously a Dom, uh just because of how <laughs> ma- how, how many different uh uh punishments di- yeah different well the punishments on top of but they're like they're using like spreader bars and like uh, like somebody definitely rated like you know uh adam and eve uh to, to come up with some of the things that they used on that yeah. show
2: yeah um, hands attached to bdsm webs and things like that
0: right exactly so it's like uh, what, what do you guys have going on back there that uh that we're that we're missing out on so is there a sexy Food Network star? Who's Who do you think would be the sexiest Food Network star? Oh, it's
2: Guy Fieri, 100%. Is it, Guy, is it really Guy Fieri? Because the thing is, and when you say sexy, I think about, when I think of sexy, I've rethought the term to being being of relevance to sex. And Guy Fieri to me is the most relevant to sex for the Food Network viewer because, like, if they're having sex, it's probably with, like, you know, a guy with fake blonde hair who's a little out of breath and still wearing sunglasses and may not take his flame button up shirt off, you know, so that is sexy. That is of the sex they're used to. So therefore he is the sexiest.
1: I will say that uh, there's a, there's a little spot in Ybor. uh, That's like this uh, very, very delicious, like French crepe restaurant. And like the crepes are authentic. You see like a little old woman in the front window, like making the crepes for it. It's unbelievable. And for whatever fucking reason, they only play Guy Fieri on the TVs in there. Like, it's like just quality cuisine. And then you look up and this man in a flame shirt is making love to a burrito in front of you. And you're just like, mm, okay, this seems it's like, I'm really in France. This is uh, an authentic
2: experience. Guy Fieri here in France to try out some of their famous fromage. That's what they call the cheese here.
1: <laughs> well, who knew Effie, amazing Guy Fieri uh, impression among other things? I Effie
2: don't even think I do impressions. I think I can mimic sounds well, and that's about as good as it gets. I can't <laughs> feel their whole energy. You know, it would be overwhelming. I can mimic sounds well. That's true. That's true.
0: I just love the fact that Guy Fieri. that's like, it's giving me the the even uh, even with the offhanded way he he described the, the Guy Fieri being sexy, gives me a chance to feel like I could actually be sexy one day. Right. Right. You know, Guy saying, can, we, it's it's Guy can. I'm sure shit
1: can. So us here who now have a new goal to, to strive for. <laughs> I need to be Guy yeah, yeah. Fieri sexy. So,
2: Guy Fieri like, sexy sure. is achievable. You just need a little bit of, uh, of that hair bleach. I mean, or a fashionable wig that you can just pull right over. And it's it,
0: going to have to be the uh, wig because I definitely can't grow the hair anymore. I've ge- I have have given up on that. The beard I can
1: do, just, but the hair. I'll do a do. quick
2: Amazon search for you.
1: That would, would be awesome.
2: Insane. Just imagine a quick,
1: like, oh, it's going to be a very special <laughs> night, sweetheart. I'm putting on the Guy Fieri wig. You know, the Guy Fieri wig. Get the Guy Fieri wig.
0: I'm sure there's a Guy Fieri Halloween costume out there.
1: There has yeah, to be. Course. So. It's all the, the there, question easily. is, can you find the Guy Fieri Merkin to go to match to coordinate Oh that well? Is, oh
2: no, the Guy Fieri Merkin, no. <laughs> uh, it might be delicious for someone
0: though. I mean you never know. Yeah, it just definitely gives Flavortown a whole new meaning. Oh okay. Uh,
2: and we got there, folks. We did it.
0: Mwah! Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. I knew i I knew I'd gross him out sooner or later. So <laughs>
1: Oh my God! Oh, sweet Jesus! Anyways, so um, we've talked about it a couple times here, but Effie, you did just recently uh, put together a uh, a much sought after um, seminar and teaching the youth of wrestling um, the ins and outs of I don't know, just living on the fucking edge and doing whatever
2: you want. Living on the and- edge is right. You know, I think I went in a little too heavy-brained for for some of the kids, and I think for the others, they wanted me to just keep talking. And that's the thing is I'm going to have to figure out what is the right level of education for everyone involved. I didn't do anything physical, and I wanted to be sure of that because I sometimes think when we we take the time to focus on all the physical stuff, we're missing what's so important to wrestling, which is all the everything else, Mm -hmm. you know? How how often am I physically in a wrestling ring? It's not very often, but how often are people talking about what I'm doing? More often than I'm in a wrestling ring. How very do you make that up? How do you make that work for your bills? I mean, listen, I'm a guy who pays all of his bills with wrestling and streaming and living in the fantasy world. You know, it's, it's, it's not for everyone, but if you can figure out how to do it, and if you've got that hustler spirit, we can we can bring you to that level. But I also wanted to remind everyone to not forget, like, behind all the dreams and behind all the contracts and the TV and the companies and who's going to get seen by who, and if you take all this away from wrestling, what it is – is entertainment. And we cannot forget that. Mm. We are sometimes trying to appeal to wrestlers or we're trying to appeal to, you know, whoever may be in the back or we're trying to appeal to, you know, some higher denominator of what makes wrestling good when really like we need to appeal to the audience in the room and we need to like pay attention to what they're interested in because not to use an adult term, but sometimes we get a little masturbatory in the world of wrestling and we don't really look around and have enough self-awareness to go, oh, maybe I didn't need to do six more double downs. And the match would have been fine if I just went home at 10 minutes.
1: True. True. Now, I, I would ask you to, for a little bit of self-reflection here. Um, how, how often has that been a danger for you? Like, how often have you gotten, like, lost in the sauce? And then you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What, how, how fucking far have we gone now? Like, how long? How much over are we? Like, Jesus Christ.
2: Is yeah, that, is I that- Listen. I'm I'm lucky in the sense that like I don't like to be in the ring all that long. Somebody the other day was like, oh, could you do a 30-minute match? I was like, who wants to see me in a 30-minute match? And they're like, we do. And I was like, in concept you do. But when you have a 7, 8, 10-match show and every segment needs to be what it is, I try so hard not to get lost in the sauce. Even when I'm goofing around at the beginning, I try to get right to the meat when we need to get to the meat. I don't like wasting a lot of time – uh, and I think that's like kind to do to the people in the audience because there's a lot of matches wasting time. And listen, for the type of wrestling I complain about, God bless that there are some people who go out there and all they do is flip after flip after flip after move after move after counter after counter because when the crowd sees them do that for 25 minutes, when I come out, it's like a, a damn fresh breath of air. True. And, and then if I do one flip, they're like, Jesus Christ, we didn't know you could do it. And I'm like, I could do it all along. It's the, it's the art of, uh, do you need it all at once?
1: I mean, that's real. I feel like that's a huge lesson to be learned because a lot of young wrestlers feel like every match. They're like, look, I have 25 moves that I can fairly confidently do at least 20 of them need to be in this match. Right. It's like, oh, oh yeah. Maybe sometimes, but not every time.
2: No, no. I mean, I look at Ricky Shane page, who is a really hateable guy, But he's one of the only people who will sit in the uncomfortable in the Indies. Everybody else, the moment they get uncomfortable, boy, do you know it? They are scrambling and feeling weird and trying to get to something else. But man, when it's uncomfortable with Ricky Shane page, he'll just sit there. He won't even do anything. He'll just sit there and be uncomfortable with you. And the crowd just starts to get agitated and crazy. And it creates some really magic moments when somebody finally kicks his ass. But Kids sometimes don't realize you need you need a little bit of an enemy. And you need a little bit of awkward to get to that good stuff. If it's good nonstop, eventually that sugar just all tastes the same.
1: That's a great way to put it. That's an absolutely great way to put it.
2: I'm trying here. I'm trying to be as smart. Yeah. I want to get a college teaching gig without a doctorate, so I've <laughs> got to start pretending I know real stuff. <laughs> Here's the economic consequence. That's a word I learned. There you go. What is the economic consequence? what would what would be the what would be the class you would like to teach
0: if you could if you are getting that uh, that teaching gig? what
2: I listen, I'm a believer that professional wrestling can teach you a lot of things, and I think we could teach things along the lines of um you know your basic level economics, r- learning how to run a, a business, entrepreneur skills. Um, Learning about management skills, learning about uh, public relations, how to deal with crowds, how to deal with issues, how to deal with when your stars act like idiots and you as a company have to deal with them. I think it's an endless purge of information. And then when you get into marketing and advertising and kind of looking at where the WWE has gone right and wrong, there's an endless amount of information that could be turned into some real knowledge for people, whether or not they're going to be in wrestling.
0: You know, and I'm interested in your opinion on this one. Obviously, we we've seen over the years what WWE has done right. What what do you think? Because right now, obviously, and like for when we recorded this, the biggest news for WWE lately is that their raw rating absolutely tanked this past week, apparently, and AEW's show on Wednesdays is beating is beating what Raw's doing right now. What are they doing wrong? What what in your opinion, Vince gives you the the keys to the kingdom. What what are you changing? What are we doing differently to to try to get to to try to get the magic back?
2: I think uh, what they've what they've done really right when I look back. You know, you've got to give Vince McMahon some credit for like revolutionizing the pay per view industry and revolutionizing. Um, what was allowed to be put on cable and revolutionizing kind of what a mainstream star looked like having these new people, but you know, having three or four good ideas doesn't mean you're a genius. It just means you had three or four good ideas. And now if you, I think if you did overlays of an episode of raw from 1995, an episode of raw from 2005, an episode of raw from 2015, an episode of raw from now, if you overlaid them, a match start to finish, the camera angles, the positioning, the entrances, everything would be almost exactly the same. And it has looked the same for that long. And the only difference now is it's more HD, it's slicker, and there's no there's no crowd or people there. If I was in this position for this company in the year, you know, 2020 in the middle of a pandemic, I would have been looking more to their cinematic matches. I would have been looking more to their uh their you know, a performance center of of weirder places to film, of new ways to film, you know, what's wrong with NXT having a main event that's that's just going to be in the performance center all over the place? What's wrong with, you know, WWE doing a whole show from a farm or doing something really weird and out there? Instead of trying to work within the limitations and adapt and find something new, they've said we've got to keep doing the same things and the adaptations instead of helping them have just shown through. And so you have things like, oh, well, now we wrestle in front of a Zoom call. Oh, well, now we pipe in our audio and we're trying to get it to look exactly the same when clearly the feel is very different. And the audience is letting them know that it feels very different, but they're still not aware enough to make the changes um, or at least adapt and try something different in this time where they can't do what they normally do.
0: Is there anybody out there that's adapting that's uh, adapting enough right now or do you think they're play do you think everybody still needs to like pull the pull the lever back a little farther?
2: I mean, I think everybody should pull the lever a little farther, but I think what Tony Khan needs to be paying attention to is he has a lot of talent on his okay. roster that are really really getting over out there. I look at like Anthony Bodes and Max Kasser have come in in the past 3 or 4 weeks. And, you know, tonight I think they beat or came close to beating the Young Bucks on AEW Dynamite. And Max Caster is using this to get his rap career out there. And he's getting big views on his rap stuff. He's getting over on Twitter. He's getting over with all of this. And I think they're seeing a little bit that, like, he's over with that. But if I'm Tony Khan, I'm letting that dude shoot full music videos. I'm letting that Mm -hmm. dude do whatever he wants backstage. I'm shooting back to him every 10 minutes in the show to see who he can make a, a freestyle rap about next. And make them interesting for me because they have a very deep roster, but not everyone has depth. And so when you have these characters with depth, like your Sonny Kisses, your Joey Janellas, your Max Casters, use them as much as possible because everyone else is going to benefit when they're able to do their weird version of what they do next to that person. Don't be scared of mixing these worlds. Don't be scared of it not looking like the wrestling you think. It's going to help out everybody when you're going out more on that ledge and letting these kids shine who maybe they're not the big indie star of the day. They're not your Kenny Omegas, but they've probably got a lot to give if you just gave them a little rope and said, hey, let's see what you can do. What's the worst that happens?
1: Well, it's like you said earlier, like with the experimentation, you know, one experiment not going perfectly will be easily forgotten, whereas – trying something completely new and having it succeed will live on forever
2: oh oh yeah but sometimes it takes a few a few flubbies to get there and uh, you can't be scared to look like an idiot it's fun to look like an idiot because then you go like it can't feel stupider than this i've hit the most stupid i'm gonna feel it's all up from here true true
1: do you have any thoughts on oh go ahead zach I was going to say, I remember hearing some stand-up comedians were talking about that, about, like, what constitutes bombing in front of a crowd. And it's, and I don't even remember which comedian it was, but one of them had said, it's not until you
2: admit that it's fucked.
1: Yeah, exactly, that you showcase that it's bombing, that you're truly bombing. If you're just telling your jokes, and you're still doing it 110%, and the, peop- and the crowd just happens to not be into it, okay, that's an off night. But if you tell a joke and the crowd's not really into it and then you're kind of like half chuckling like, <laughs> or like, oh, I, I, I thought that was funny. I don't know. Yeah, you still shuffling the cards? Yeah, now you're bombing. Now you're shitting the bed. Now they feel
2: it. Right. Yeah, exactly. if you just keep couple. going and they don't laugh, it's avant-garde. <laughs> True. It's an art piece at that point.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's it's Andy Kaufman at that Yeah, you were channeling
2: Kaufman.
0: Yes. <laughs> Channeling coffins never a bad thing to do most days. So. Oh, I uh, totally agree. So, and uh, the thing I was going to ask about real quickly too, because we had mentioned AEW and Tony Khan a little bit. Um, I find it very interesting that they are working with Impact, um, and obviously, you were you were you were obviously just working with Luke Gallows and, and doing some interesting things. Apparently, so is that the is? Do you find that interesting that that these companies are now starting to be willing to kind of work with each other?
2: I'm going to make the full announcement here. Uh, Effie is only per appearance in 2021 and will not be signing any contracts with any companies. If they want me on their show, cool. Bring me in. Pay me per appearance. I'm not signing anything. I've made made the pledge out loud. There's no amount of money. I won't sign it. You can have me for appearance, but it's going to make you want me worse. Uh, You know, we talked a little bit about some stuff yesterday, and I think with this, and this is going to make me sound like a negative, Nancy. I promise you I'm not. Everyone's going, oh, my God, these are two huge companies linking up. It makes me nervous. You know, Impact has done well on Twitch, but on cable, they have not done well at all. AEW is doing pretty good. They're a newer company. They've got the backing of TNT. They're doing a little better in the ratings. Those two <clears throat> linking up for a wrestling wrestling fan is probably the coolest thing they've ever seen. But for the rest of the world, the rest of the 97% of the world that doesn't know anything about any of this shit, these two companies linking up probably means nothing to you. And instead of trying to bring in new fans by doing this, we, we may have just alienated some new fans who are confused. They now have to watch two shows to understand what the hell's happening. I hope it works well. I think it's fun, tongue-in-cheek, silly, and a great inside joke for wrestling fans but when we talk about you know getting our art form to a new audience that is not dwindling as the current wrestling fanship has, I think we've got to go in a new direction. And and we're getting there. I'm not all talk. I, I'm a believer in, in creating an environment and an experience for people that is safe and welcoming and exciting and doesn't have a big barrier for entry and doesn't require you to know years and years of, of history in the business, of who's who and where's been what. But it's just entertaining wrestling. And I think people will find – that's that's sort of the tried and true method at the end of the day if it's entertaining in front of you it doesn't matter what backstory is there it's entertaining and we want to create new fans by bringing them wrestling in a way that doesn't require them to have all of this insider trade knowledge
1: that's an excellent point that's an absolutely excellent point because i i almost
2: i'm sorry did i make everybody sad right there
1: no, you're good. I think we lo- I think we technically
0: lost Zach there for a second, but That's he'll be okay. back momentarily. I'm sure. Um, I, I and I, I find I know l- I love what you kind of your thoughts about that because I think you're you're right in the in the building of that, and I feel like for a lot of fandoms lately that might seem to be the problem is maybe there's too much information and too much going on there, like st- like Star Wars fans are all cranky because it's not it's you know not what they were expecting it to be and you know uh all these different fandoms get real cranky when it's not the way they are when it's not what they're expecting it to be and i feel like maybe with wrestling fans because everybody's like the ones that left all left at about the time frame that like you know the end of like, the attitude era type stuff and when yeah. they come back it's not that same thing again they're like oh whatever and and move onward and you know, but we fight. still
2: we still hold to try to impress these people, you know, like, right, I, I don't know if the average AEW viewer knows who uh, tolly Blanchard is, you know, I doubt the average AEW viewer really knows that, uh, you know, these people used to be on WWE. I think there's a lot of people that are coming into this brand new. And I mean, I think about this. This is what fired me up to begin with was. The first appearance of the Lucha Bros on AEW, two of the coolest guys on the indies, the best mask, the best gear, two of the most badass guys do the craziest stuff. They came out in like JC Penny suits and like fought against SCU, who had been dressed as Secret Service agents. And this is the first episode of a national cable television show. Talk about jumping into the plot and not having any clue what's going on. And someone on the roster that I was talking to tried to defend it to me and say, well, they like to dress nice and wear suits. I said, yeah, but it's not about what they like. I hired the Lucha Bros, if I'm in charge of this company, to be the Lucha Bros and to be the coolest looking dudes in Lucha Wrestling that are gonna bring our tag team division heat. I don't need them arguing on the stage in a JC Penny suit. I need them being badasses. Zero miedo, man. Right. Mm-hmm. And they assume the- a lot of our audience that they already know this stuff and they don't. We have to start from square one sometimes.
0: And I, and I question sometimes what I do remember watching AEW that did, should they have spent more time kind of introducing a lot of their talent just because you, you have to assume the lowest common denominator when you're, when you're dealing with a new show like this, that, you know, nobody knows who the hell any of these people are. And the, the sad part is because WWE owns so much of the like video footage that's out there for a lot of these people. it, It may have been hard to introduce somebody like Tully Blanchard, to an audience without being able to show, you know, Hey, th- this guy was like one of the biggest, you know, most hated people in the industry for, for quite a while. Um, just to use him as an example or, or same with like the Lucha brothers. Like, I guess they would have to go well the Lucha brothers. They could have gone to the Indies and and gotten some of those, companies to oh, like for sure. know, trade for video footage and go hey listen here are these two badasses here doing this and and showing that off so
2: but here's what we're going to have to go back to is do you want to run a company that has a high ROI that has the highest for what you're paying version of that entertainment with the best ratings or do you want to give somebody who the wrestling industry is familiar with a payday I don't know if these people are are always going to increase viewership, but that may not be what they want in the end. They may want to just have the wrestling program that they wish they could have made when they were a kid, and that's fine. But let's let's be careful with what we're presenting to the world because there's only a couple people afforded this opportunity to have this large of a viewership. And so I think like just from you know the position we're in and thinking about the future, like we just have to be wise about what kind of programming we're putting out and it doesn't matter. They won't ask Effie, you know what the programming needs to be. It's fine. But I will tell you, I had a hundred thousand people watch wrestling with me on Twitch today. So we're catching up and we're catching up quickly and I don't have a boss and I sure as fuck don't have a filter. And that is goddamn (laughs) terrifying (laughs) to them. I can tell you. Are you the, are you the bruiser Brody of this, of this era? I've heard that. And I think I am, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little less scraggly, but I'm just as well-spoken. Right. People people don't know, you know, uh, you guys know, but Frank Goodish was exp- extremely well-spoken, extremely smart, knew exactly what he was doing throughout the business, running everywhere he wanted to go and not doing anything he didn't want to do. And I admire that spirit. I hope not to be murdered in Puerto Rico. Right.
1: But, I mean, fingers crossed.
2: You know, maybe we can go bigger with it. I think um, w- we need more people that are unafraid right now. And it's probably not in my best interest to be as unafraid as I am, but... You know, hopefully I ha- I have some people in the wings that are ready to jump on the squad, you know? Do you have, do you have like your, like if you could, using you as the, the, the you know, kind of the Brody
0: example, do you have somebody that's like your Abdullah? Who, who's the, the, you know, do you <laughs> see somebody who could be the, like the, the person to, you know, th- that you're fighting forever across, you know, across the Indies? Um, you
2: know, I, I'd love for it to be MV Young, if I'm being completely honest. Talking with a guy like M.V. Young, which I don't know how familiar you guys are with him yet. He's been running his own shows in in Pittsburgh and in New York. Mm -hmm. He ran his own Fashion Week show. He's the kind of guy who's like, I know I'm fun. People love it. And I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do. And he's trying to get involved with more stuff like outside of wrestling that brings it back to wrestling. Having a Fashion Week show last year with, you know, all sorts of models, all sorts of people that featured wrestling matches in the middle of it was crazy. And so it's a guy like he actually texted me today. We met two years ago, but that whole time we have spent the time encouraging each other to keep doing weirder stuff and keep doing crazier stuff. And we're both outside of the line of probably what they're going to sign to a TV company. We're not. Yes, sir. Guys, but I think we're both going to have a big impact in what professional wrestling looks like over the next five to 10 years.
1: So I, I want to I, I look – I want Effie to look into the, uh, I guess, pro wrestling crystal ball here. If provided the world doesn't spontaneously combust in the next, you know, however many days or weeks or what have you, what would you like to see most come out of professional wrestling in 2021?
2: Oh, man. What would I like to see most? You know what? I, I would like to see the ability – you know, we we saw it with all out. the the all out thing was was oh we can sell out an arena with uh with just indie guys, right? And they proved it. But they rocked a lot of Ring of Honor stuff, and Ring of Honor helped produce them, and they worked it out, and they had a long way ahead of it. I would like to at least be able to have an indie show where we can get uh, uh a large enough number of people in the building. And Maybe I'm dreaming maybe I'm dreaming, but I don't want ring of honor involved. I don't want anybody to know Sinclair was even friends. I don't want to have to be on TV. I want to move to a level where we can get people to a building, uh, in that amount of numbers without needing any, any sort of cable or big corporation company near us or behind us or next to us, or, you know, adjacent to us to make it happen. I think what they did was cool. I think it has an asterisk next to it and it will forever. Um, but I hope that we can flip it around and, um, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle, especially in the middle of COVID. But if these vaccines are to be believed, hopefully we'll be back in, in each other's arms soon. You know what I mean?
1: I was going to say, that's the hope. Uh, maybe Chad, it's all digital. Right, true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, or it, uh, what's the all-out equivalent on Twitch? Uh, Chad, any other questions from you? Uh, I guess kind of the,
0: the my last big thing on this one from here is so far, do, do you think that um, – like Effie's Big Gay Brunch 2, uh, do you think you could, you could put something together that, that could be that, that, you know, that kind of dream show you're talking about? Do you think you would, you have the backing just on, on, you know, with what you've put together with it? Cause you've got kind of a group of people that you, that you kind of, you seem to work with that, that you have a great relationship. we mentioned a lot already, like, you know, Alley Cat and, yeah. uh, Steinhausen and Warhorse and uh, Senegal, uh, Jamie you know? Senegal, who who put on. By the way, um, I am I will be honest. I am not usually a huge fan of the you know the Deathmatch shows well, and the, so the much no much ring shows, that, but it was a fun show. I I will admit that was a fun show and it's watching always that. Always good to see Sue Young. Sue Young is a am- is another one that uh, is absolutely amazing. Uh, and yeah, her with with Father James Nich- Mitchell, who I
2: I oh, would. Legend.
0: I would kill to have that guy on the show, and I've tried, and he has not uh, replied back yeah, to me at all. Yeah, he's, a, he's so. a hard
2: nut to crack. I got the oxygen.
0: But um, do, do you think you, um like, with what you've kind of laid out here, do you think you've got, you know, what it takes to maybe put together that, that next all-in type of show?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think the key to Evie's Big Gay Brunch and what was so missed out on by not having it in Tampa and having COVID mess everything up was, like, the week before, I was supposed to be the Grand Marshal of the Tampa Gay Pride Parade. We were supposed to be getting this information out to all of the Tampa gay communities. And it was supposed to be this you know, big mix of all these wrestling fans coming in because they want to see the wrestling. But all these gay people in Tampa getting to come in, too, and seeing our world. And I think for us to have that sort of success and for us to do those numbers... We have to open ourselves up to a whole new crowd of people. And people will come in and say, oh, well, you're not only attracting wrestling fans. But I think by just showing people that, like, there's this world of wrestling that's cool with you and who you are, and it celebrates you, and it has people that look like you, yeah, it's going to be a big move. And I think going into the next year, with more people being who they are, with us being under Democratic leadership, like, there's so much more space for big gay shows. And it might even be Effie's Big Gay Wedding. We haven't quite figured it out yet. Oh. Convincing. But then again, like, how long do I make it about me? It's good to throw my name on it. And the reason we did it is because, okay, I'm a pretty well-known LGBTQ performer. But now with more and more people getting that clout and getting over and more and more LGBTQ people out there, it's it's not maybe necessary for me to just have my name on it. You know, maybe there's a better way we sell the story to where we can get everybody involved. I'm not opposed. Very, very nice. And actually let...
0: Lesson, because you mentioned, you mentioned people getting over and things like that. Uh, Kind of my last question for you here. Are you surprised at how over cranberry is?
2: Oh, my God. No, because she told me she would be. But we sold some damn Christmas cards with that cranberry on there. And she is uh, she is an absolute sweetheart. She's okay with it. She puts up with me. She stamped all the Christmas cards when she pops in on the Twitter stream. People go crazy. You know, if I'm ever like lulling, I can just grab her on, and people are like, "Oh yeah, cranberry, bring her in here." <laughs> they love it, and she's fine with it.
0: I think we need to have a match with Cranberry and uh, what's Cody Rhodes' dog, Pharaoh? Oh, God. Like, can we can we book that match? That could be interesting. I don't
2: think he'd too. allow that to be
1: booked. <laughs> <I'm Yeah>. Just <laughs> saying. Somehow, I feel like dog fighting is not going to really. <laughs> I might not be on,
2: okay.
1: on paper,
2: it's a little you... rough. It's a little rough. <laughs>
1: That's a little rough I see what you did there I had to stop,
2: uh, so. had to stop letting Cody know About certain field trips That uh, his talent were making Over to my house While they were in Atlanta He was getting <laughs> a little frustrated But let me tell you I'm real frustrated Because I have to look At that motherfucker Every time I get to the airport Which is a lot of times There's a big old picture Of him and Brandy At the top of the stairs And I gotta see it Every time I come home From the airport So listen that If he, can, if he doesn't like When they come to my house Good At least that lets me know We both have to look At each other And we don't like it Right <laughs> We all have crosses to bear. Uh, So
1: Effie, in addition to uh, the sponsorship by the water company uh, Liquid Death, is there anything else that you'd like to put over and uh, get your shit in in regards to uh, any maybe people that this is their first time finding out about you miraculously?
2: Hell uh, yeah. I love that. If it is, that's fantastic. That's awesome. And that's the thing I tell the kids too, is it's someone's first time seeing you. Give them the full experience. You know, you can't assume everybody's been watching all your seven months of storyline here. Just jump in and give them something new. I'm Effie. I'm a fun time. I'm Effie lives on everything. I'm Effie lives on Twitter. I'm Effie lives on Twitch. I'm Effie lives on pro wrestling tees. On cameo on uh, Wikipedia, maybe I don't know. On uh, uh, what's the feet website for the feet pics? I'm um, lives on there too.
1: I said that was a trap, and Chad and I both sidestepped that. Yeah, <laughs> sidestep
2: it, sidestep it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm out here. I'm doing it. We're uh, we're wrestling. We're watching wrestling. We're making weird content. Go watch that Nos throw video. Yeah, well, half. Yes. have. To.
1: Yeah, that's going to be my whole event now.
2: We have a new one coming out in the coming weeks that's a little more offensive, and it's called Put Us in Your Will. And it's about how <laughs> you can't trust your kids anymore, and we would be a better option for you to leave your money to.
1: Okay. Well, there you go. It's pushing Again, the boundaries, Effie, pal. Paving the way to the future, clearly.
2: Legally, you- we're allowed to ask.
0: And by the way, uh, Effie, still uh, still BFE, uh, dot com for the uh for your other merchandise as well? Yeah
2: uh my my merchandise on bfe.com is fantastic do not type in beefy.com it is bfe.com yeah you're BFE. gonna get some... i've got some enamel pins up there some eight by tens and i've got the effie award a few of those still up there and some custom condoms <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ta-da. Like... and beard oil it'd be condoms of beard oil and, and an effie award
2: you everything
0: it's, he's got he's covered all the bases, everybody. That's why we love Effie. So uh Effie, we'd love having you on. Thank you for coming back on with us I again. I'm like glad
2: you guys had time for me. Thanks so much.
0: Of course. And uh to all of our dozens and dozens out there, uh, we thank you once again for tuning in for all of 2020. Uh we'll see you in 2021 where we've got uh already some really crazy stuff, uh stuff planned. So get ready, everybody. The wrestling nerds aren't stopping. <laughs> uh until next time, everybody. Uh I am as always, Chad Allen. I'm Zach Romero. And until next time, everybody, we always say deuces.
1: Well, hope I don't poop
2: today You're a jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films
1: Pardon me, might I suck my own
2: dick for a second I'm ready to greet the day, you what fucker fuck? Every single one of you guys has made a whole decision <laughs> It's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We me are waiters, we're touching wieners, touching wieners professionally Ric
1: Flair said fuck a six-pack and he never lost an ounce of pussy What I
2: am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.